What did you say? Power of your confession. Let's uh, begin with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. <clears throat> we having the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So why are we speaking? Because we believe. Our speaking comes out of our believing. So we have the same spirit of faith. So if you look at like some faith giant that you see in the Word of God, and you're like, man, I would love to be like them. I would love to have what they had. Well, you have the same identical spirit of faith. And in fact, if it's a faith giant that you found in the Old Covenant, you have the same spirit that came upon them that they responded to what God said that was just outside them. You have Him on the inside of you. So you have... The Lord is much closer by. He's in your spirit. You're actually united with him in your spirit, in the core of your being. So we having the same spirit of faith, and, you know, what's he saying? Well, he's saying that right after he said, you know, over in um, verse 8, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. How is that possible? Same spirit of faith. They're believing and speaking. We are uh, perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, um, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also might be manifest in our flesh. And so you see like you can have all of these difficult circumstances going on that you uh, can be distressed and persecuted and cast down, but it doesn't get the best of you because you have the same identical spirit of faith that didn't get them down? How? By believing and speaking. We also believe and therefore speak. So sometimes maybe why your confession doesn't seem to have the power that you want your confession to have is because you're speaking but you're not believing. It's the believing speaker that gets the job done. Well, I brought my little Bluetooth speaker this morning. It happens to be blue. Bluetooth speaker. I love this little speaker. It's like a sound system in a capsule. And so, you know, if I turn this little thing on and then I hit this little button here, it's going to open it up so, and I'm not going to do it because any of you could connect to it, right? Anybody, probably in the whole room, maybe the extremities would have a little difficulty, but anybody that's fairly close could connect to that same Bluetooth speaker. So sometimes uh, my wife and I will connect to that speaker, and uh, I don't know how they negotiate who has authority or priority in the Bluetooth, but sometimes I'm trying to listen to something, and it connects to her. Or like the car is outside, and I'm inside. I was the last one that used the car, and then like uh, it's playing what I'm playing. I'm like, where did, where did my sound go? <laughs> or worse, it's like somebody calls you. And then your, your husband or wife doesn't know they called you, but that person's voice shows up in the car. <laughs> so the question is, what have you got your speaker connected to? Because you can connect your speaker to the voice of your flesh and feelings and senses. Like well, It seems like it's getting bad. It doesn't look like it's going to work. doesn't look like God's going to come through. God helps everybody else, but he doesn't seem to help me. I had somebody tell me one time, I just feel like I'm under a curse. Everything I touch goes wrong. 
Well, the worst thing to find out is that you are under a curse and it's coming from your own mouth. Like you've got your speaker hooked up only to your senses. Do you know you can uh, hook your speaker up to your senses and it's not unbiblical as long as it doesn't contradict the word of God? Like if you have little kids and you say, Johnny, don't run out in front of that car because I sense that there's a car there. Well, the reason I sense there's a car there is I see it with my eyes. I hear it coming with my ears. And I have also experience in this arena. I've seen many accidents on the highway. Well, so that's not bad. But if you're going to connect your speaker up with the, the information that flows to you from your natural senses, and God says in his word, as we talked about last week, that you were healed by the stripes of Jesus, yet the doctor says this is stage four cancer and you're, you're going to die. Well, then I would encourage you not to hook your speaker up with what the doctor says. Unless you're going to say the doctor says this is stage four cancer and I'm going to die within two months. But God already knew about this ahead of time. He already provided a way of deliverance from this thing. And that was actually provided by the perfect sacrifice of the perfect man, Jesus Christ, my perfect Lord and my perfect Savior, that that met sickness and disease at every point. Like we talked about last week. I'm still... I'm still chewing on the revelation that why was there a snake on a pole, the thing that hurt them, the thing that came into their life because of their sin? Moses said, okay, God said, put it on a pole and look at that. Look at that. Right? Well, my natural mind says, that makes no sense. So then I learned when my natural mind says that, well, that's when I really need to like reach out from the inside and say, okay, Lord, what does this mean? Because that maketh no sense. That's like all Elizabethan English to me. So why in the world is the, is the image of the consequence of their sin, which was Death infused and painful. I'm sure the bite was even painful. And that we'd seen others who had sinned like we sinned and they died. Well, it's because he wanted you to know and look at the total and utter, complete, as much as is possible to be completely defeated snake And the power of sin that brought the snake on the cross in the most shameful way. That this would never, ever be able to dominate you again. So he said, look at that. Don't look at the snakes on the ground. Don't look at the bite on your leg. Look at the snake on the pole who has been totally stripped of its power, its authority, its ability, its venom. So we have, every single believer has the exact same spirit of faith that sees a giant 
who is coming counter to what God has said, who is actually causing a bunch of confusion in the camp, which actually you're hedged in on every side. We can't go forward and we can't go back. And he is so big and there is no way and nobody can go up against him. And everyone that thinks about going against him just gets so scared that we're just sitting in our camp. We're stuck right where we're at. But that same spirit of faith that was on David that caused David to rise up and say, how dare you? You're not just coming against an army of people. You're coming against the people of God. When the enemy comes against you as a child of God, he is coming against God. You know, 2 Chronicles 20. The, the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are surrounding uh, the uh, Israelites, and they, and they pray, and their prayer, 2 Chronicles 20, uh, probably starting in verse like 16 or something like that. Anyhow, and their prayer, they said, Lord, behold. You know what behold is? It's like not just looking, but it's like look and take it in what's happening. Behold how they come to try to cast us out of your possession. What was their possession? This is the promised land that you promised us. This is your possession of your people. You know, God wants you to have something. God wants you to possess something just because when you possess it, Paul said, by revelation, you, to believers, you are the body of Christ. Well, do you think cancer should be on the body of Christ? Do you think Christ, as he is, so are we in this world? You think he's sick right now? You think he's depressed right now? You think he's struggling right now? You think he says, I don't know how much more of this I can take right now? No, I think he has that same spirit of faith that he gave to every one of us. There's not two Holy Spirits. But we have the same spirit of faith that said, all right, how dare you defy the armies of the living God? You're saying a bunch of stuff to me. Now I'm going to say some stuff to you. I will this day kill you, cut your head off, and declare utter and total defeat of you and utter and total victory for Israel, the people of God, God's children. And look what his just yielding to that spirit of faith. It changed the whole thing. You, you, if you have a spirit of faith, you know other people who love God who are around you, they will like, Grab hold of that same spirit of faith. They'll be like, look what David did. We could do that. We should have done that. Well, don't smack yourself because you didn't do it. Just say, all right, I'm changing now. I have the same spirit of faith. I have access to that exact same spirit of faith that he has. Boy, I'm getting hot. We have the same spirit of faith. It's not a different spirit of faith. It's the same spirit of faith. And that spirit of faith not only believes that the giant doesn't belong and is dethroned and sees itself dethroning the giant, but that spirit of faith says that. Uh, spirit of faith, even when you don't understand, you say, well, uh, this sure feels like defeat. This still feel, sure feels like a big loss. Looks like a big loss. Everybody's telling me it's a big loss. 
I have that same spirit of faith that Jesus had. This will not defeat me. Yeah, but do you know how? I may not know how, but the Lord's showing me. He showed me the next step to take. I might have messed this up, but there's no mess up that's too big for God. I might have made a wrong decision. I might have not followed what the Lord had it put in my heart. I just, for whatever reason, but that's why right now I thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus, that it goes beyond that. That this battle might have been lost, but the war will not be lost. I'm, I'm changing what I'm saying right now. I'm saying I believe you. I'm saying that you are more than able. I mean, um, do you know money is not evil? It is not the root of all evil. It is the love of money. What is that? That's money in the wrong place in your heart. Do you know your brain, your mind, your thinking ability, your reasoning abilities are not evil? But you know if you don't submit them to the Lord and you submit them to people who have dedicated their entire life to live without acknowledging God and to look at things without God. I mean, you have people with doctorates and some of those people with doctorates, all of their time, effort, thoughts, energies are put into understanding something apart from God. So they're going to be some, they'll have some major, major expertise in the natural order of things. In, in what happens in, depending of course what arena it's in, in what happens in nature, maybe in what happens in your body. Without God. Now thank God there's some people that have a doctorate and they have included God in what they're learning. You know, I think the best way is uh, you're going to get uh, greatly, highly educated is number one, you, you be educated in the Word of God and the move of the Spirit first and then add that other to it. So you're not so dominated by, you know, I had a, a, a fella, he was in medicine and, uh, man, he had so much trouble receiving healing, divine healing, because he was so educated in medical things and how medicine would deal with this and how we would do this. And so for him to overcome that was very challenging. Um, but then, you know, like, have you ever read, read after uh, Lillian Yeoman's doctor? Uh, she's got uh, four books on healing, and a lot of times, like, I have a version that's combined all four books into one. Amazing. I encourage you to read after her. Well, she was a medical doctor. She was addicted to drugs. And she, she sought the Lord. The Lord set her free. She got born again. And she's like, I used to practice um, um, medicine by natural human means. And now I am a doctor for the great physician. There's another guy. He wasn't even a, a spirit-filled. Like we, we, we would say spirit-filled. He was a, a denominational uh, doctor. Uh, yet he gave his life to the Lord and he would have patients come in and he'd say now you come in and uh, I'll give you two options I'll treat you medically or I'll pray for you Lord will heal you if I pray for you and the Lord heals you there is zero fee for my services if I have surgery if I give you medicine I'm charging you 
Do you know how many people were healed through that man's ministry work? I mean, left, right, left, right. There was even a guy that they gave up for dead. All his doctor, consultant friends said, uh, he's, um, he's brain dead, he's gone, he's done. He, he actually, uh, I think he actually died. Well, he went and he said, prayed over him, said, Lord, you know my brother. You know it wasn't time for him to die. I ask you, bring him up in the name of Jesus. He came back. Didn't charge him anything. <laughs> it matters what you say. Oh, I'd have my page marked. Let's see here. Philemon, uh, there's only one chapter. It's verse 6. says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ. You know, Proverbs says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so your words are vital to what you experience in life. You know, I, I like to say, Elijah, I gotta hurry here. Uh, Elijah, you know, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. Anybody know how fast a horse runs? Anybody know? I don't know. Is it like 45 mile an hour? That's what I was thinking, something like that. Uh, uh, somebody should look it up for me. So anyhow, the spirit of the Lord came on Elijah and he outran the king's chariot. Well, I would assume that the king had the best horses that were possible to have. And the spirit of the Lord came upon a man. And when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, he had like way beyond natural human strength and ability, and he outran the king's chariot. Well, he was praying for rain. He's like, I see a cloud. <laughs> Just a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. It's rising. It's coming. You better get back. 55 miles an hour. So he ran faster than 55 miles an hour. When's the last time you did that? And you might be like Peter on the water. Well, what if I trip? Oh, no. I saw the curves coming, and I got scared and took my eyes off Jesus. But what happened? Well, after that, he had this great victory. Oh, man, there's so many places you go with this. You know, I like the parable of the sower that Jesus talks about. This is the parable to define all parables. And he said the sower sows the word. And one of the things that happens is as soon as the word is sown, the enemy comes to try to take that word away. And somebody said, boy, I just had a great time with the Lord in the word. I was just at some great meetings. Church service was just so amazing. Devil can't stop me now. Oh, you better look out. That's the time when he's coming to get you. You, that's, you better be moving your mouth. You, you take note of those things that the Lord stirred in you when you were hearing and you declare those things and you go back over those things. You don't let those things slip. You say, no, this is what I have. This is what the Lord said to me. And so, you know, then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And he says, um, after this all happened, you know, she's kind of upset about it. She was what you would call yielded to the devil. She was what you would call a Jezebel, literally a Jezebel. 
And so he said, oh, Lord, I wish I was dead. But you know he didn't die then? He just got overwhelmed. Probably had the letdown after the anointing lifted, you know. After he wasn't in that atmosphere. He was like, oh, was that really me that outran that? Uh, I don't know. He started looking at all the natural things, getting all the natural inputs. Started to get discouraged. He's like, I wish I was dead. He didn't really wish he was dead. If he wished he was dead, wouldn't he just go to Jezebel and say, Will you please take care of this problem for me? I really don't want to be alive, and I, I hear you can help me. No, he wanted to live, but yet out of his mouth he said some opposite. Well, maybe it's not that severe, or maybe it is that severe that you've said that. I encourage you not to say that. But you know, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What do you really believe? You realize if you believe everything's not working out, that you're stuck, you can't go forward, you can't go back, you can't go left, you can't go right, you can't go up, you can't go down, you're going to act just like that. You sometimes actually will physically be paralyzed. Because you so are aware of these inputs that are coming to you and you are so yielded to them. How do you get out of that? By speaking what the Word says. Okay, so I'm going to talk about... Uh, I'm not going to go very long... <laughs> Okay, but I'm talking about two things this morning. Two kinds of confession, okay? So one kind of confession is you confess what you believe in your heart. The other kind of confession, you confess what you know with your head so that you will believe it in your heart. You send yourself to school, so to speak. Like you educate yourself about this because you know, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but there's things sometimes that I see in the Word and in my head, I, I know that's there, but I know, if I'm honest, I know like, okay, I'm not really grabbing hold of that with the core of my being, but I, I really want to. I know I should. I know you've grabbed a hold of it. Uh, I don't know why I haven't grabbed a hold of it. And so what you can do is you can actually send yourself to the school that will allow these words to not just be part of your reasoning or your head or your thinking, but actually it'll be something that you are attached to on the inside of the real you so that you know that you know that you know and no devil no demon no supposedly believing Christian who's really not acting like they believe could ever knock you off of it well-meaning you know let me just tell you you're believing for something you finally got you're like yes I know I believe I have received it's mine it's done Somebody says, you know I had an aunt one time, she had the same thing you had. She died of it. Thank you so much for your encouragement, dear sister, dear brother. So you can actually go to school, send yourself to school, and it'll cost you one of the most expensive things there is, which is time. It'll cost you because you can't just yield to your flesh and do, you know, veg out or something. Or like, I was, I was on the social media feed and, uh, whoa, that was like an hour and a half. Where did that time go? 
Joshua 1.8, this book of the law should not depart out of your mouth. Oh, interesting. We're talking about confession. Should not depart out of your mouth. This book of the law. You could paraphrase that and say the word of God should not depart out of your mouth. But you should meditate in it. Chew on it. Think it over. Let it mutter out your mouth. Day and night. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. So one of the ways to teach yourself or really to become um, established in faith, you know, it's the washing of water by the word. The Bible talks about the washing of water by the word. You might have some things you need to kind of wash off. I noticed that some of the greatest things that you have to renew your mind concerning are things that you attributed to God that aren't really from God. For instance, if you were ever taught God is so good that in order to teach you so you can learn humility and you can learn that he's good, he's going to put sickness on you so you can learn something. Well, no, if you ever were taught that, that's a, tell me the scripture, that's not in the word. So you may have to have a little extra washing of water by the word. Faith is not an action of an instant in time. Faith is a forever change of resource, decision, and direction in your life. Like when I turned to Jesus, it wasn't just for when I was four years old. That was forever. Now I live by faith. In other words, now I live by everything comes through this. What do you think about it, Lord? What do you say about it, Lord? What does your word say about it? How is your way? And so you're, you're forever different. Faith is now faith is. Faith is now. Faith isn't when I was four. Faith isn't when I was 16. Faith Let's see here. Six, seven. Okay, faith is when I'm 39 for the seventh time. <laughs> That's for you. Okay. <laughs> faith is now. Right now. Right now. And it's not just because the scripture says that now, but if you study faith, faith by its essence, its definition, it's not a one-moment thing. It is a life. Because my life is given to him, I think different. Because my life is given to him, I don't look at things I used to look at. Because my life is given to him, I don't talk the way I used to talk. I actually hook my speaker up with my believer. So that I am talking what he says. And so what I am saying ought to always sound like the spirit of faith. Well, God's going to make a way. You know, people with the spirit of faith annoy people who have uh, such uh, limited speaking from the flesh and experience. Because they're like, every time you give them something, what the Lord would say. And I'm not talking scripture in verse. I'm saying, but, but I just know God's going to make a way. I just know God's going to come through. Well, I don't know about that. I knew Aunt Susan, you know. I knew Uncle Henry. You know, I, I knew this minister, and they believed God, and they died. Well, the spirit of faith says, praise the Lord. It says these all died by faith, so he did it by faith. 
good. Says it's far better to be with him. You just turn that stuff right around. You notice they carry like an atmosphere and that they're not satisfied until they can get you as depressed as they are or in the same cloud that they're in. Why is that? I believe, I believe it's because they're under the influence of spirits and they're so used to yielding to the flesh. You know spirits, Jesus said when a spirit's gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none. He says to himself, self, I'm going to go back to the house I was in before. They have a hunger. They desire expression through embodiment in people. Well, it's almost like somebody's totally possessed, but you know, like there's spirits where you're not totally possessed, but you're under the influence. They're kind of like everywhere you go, they're whispering in your ear. You should do this, do this, do this. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Right? You know, they get like a, a hunger fed in themselves through people yielding to them. If you ever yield to some of them, you can figure that out. It feels like a hunger. You're like, whoa, what is this? It's not good. Spiritual hunger for the things of God is good. All right. So you can send yourself to school on things that you don't yet believe, but you know you should and you want to believe, just by you keep saying it, by whose stripes I'm healed, by whose stripes I'm healed. You know, if we talk about that verse just real quick, and then we'll, I'll do the last point and we'll finish, is, um, you know, one of the best ways to meditate is you put the emphasis on a different syllable. <laughs> put the emphasis on a different syllable. But you just do it with words. So, by his stripes... I was healed. By his stripes, 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 I was healed. Well, you know, you start to meditate like that. You start to chew on that and let, let yourself, make yourself Wrap all around those words from God and believe those words. It was by his stripes. In other words, it's not by my works. It's not by my thinking. It's not my ability to understand that I was healed. But it was by his stripes. So it's a work that he did. Something he did healed me. Well, already I'm on the avenue of faith. I'm on the path of faith. Why? Because now I'm looking at him instead of looking at me. Some of us have taken ourselves to the school of doubt and unbelief. How? By keep looking at and talking about all of the discouraging things. You're magnifying those discouraging things. You're, you're putting those before your eyes. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, my son Attend to my words. My word, not, not Tim's words, God's words. Attend to God's words. Incline your ear. In other words, lean into this. You're trying to hear a conversation you shouldn't hear, but this one you should hear. <laughs> lean into this. Where was I? Recently I was somewhere, and I said, we can hear the people in the room next door. 
And somebody said, uh, it was a hotel, I guess, and uh, somebody said, no, I don't think we can. I said, I think we can. And I put my ear up to the wall, and I'm like, we can hear. And I said, put your ear up to the wall. They're like, oh, yeah, you can hear. And we didn't like, we stopped. But I was like, no. I had to win the argument. I'm like, no, you can hear. That's like, that's the room next door. So you lean in. Cup your ear. Well, when I did that, I can't really hear only out of this ear, so it sounds really weird to me. Anyhow. Um, Because what I did affects what I was hearing and how I was hearing and how clear I was hearing. And so incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. How does that happen? Well, if he said, by whose stripes I was healed, or you were healed, literally scripture says, then what would the picture of that look like? What would that, what would I see? But if I couldn't hear, I would see myself hearing. If I couldn't see, I would see myself seeing. I begin to imagine this. I begin to expect this. Rather than all the looking at, talking about, meditating on all of the things that discourage. Well, you know, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Okay, anybody can, I don't, maybe shouldn't experiment with this, but anybody's probably experienced this over the last two years. If you just like listen to what they say, right? If you don't know how to do this, just take five minutes on three different major news channels. And figure out, like, do I feel like life is full of possibilities now? (laughs) Or do I feel like we might as well just give up? (laughs) Well, you think, how healthy is that for you to just focus on that all the time? No. Well, you can find out some things to pray, but, you know, I can kind of know if I can know. Uh, somebody as simple as I could know, then I know you could know. Like, oh, you know, that's too much of that. And how do I know that? Well, sometimes I know it because I hear myself mutter something or speak something. If you want to know where you're at, just record yourself or pretend like you recorded yourself. What did I just say? What did you say? What did I say? Why did I say that? I've said before, after I said something, and I had to train myself to do this, I said, I don't believe a word of what I just said. (laughs) That is not going to happen to me. I believe what God said. Devil, you got a hold of my mouth, but I'm taking it back. I'm taking control of my mouth back. I refuse to have any less than the perfect will of God and the perfect blessing of God. This is about authority. Your authority comes out your mouth. What did you say? So teach yourself, train yourself, put yourself in the training of faith. If you believe something, well, you better be speaking it if you want to see it. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, therefore speak. All right? That's number one. But number two, if you know I'm not believing the right thing, then find what the word says about it. You start meditating in that day and night. See, make sure you think about it. If you have to put a notification on some device that you have, instead of telling you what the latest uh, social media response was, 
Like give yourself an alarm, a calendar appointment. You're going to meditate on who you are in Christ. You know, that your appointment comes up and says, did you know at 1.10 p.m. you are a new creature in Christ? Amen. Old things have passed away. Stop a second. Pause for just 30 seconds and look at it with your heart. Everything is brand new. And then, thank God for it. You could just put a notification like that. Like, okay, everything's new. Old things passed away. Hallelujah. Everything is brand new. The Lord did this. Thank you, Lord. Everything is new, especially when you see something old. Thank you, Lord. Especially with children. People maybe think I was thinking of like the children at my ages, but I'm thinking like grown children. Like my children, they hear my voice every day. I'm in their house, or they're in my house, I guess. Excuse me. See, wrong confession. I do whatever makes my kids happy. Well, they're going to turn out pretty sorry. All right, so... Have a spirit of faith concerning your children. They access wisdom from God. They follow the plan of God. God's going to do something good in their life. They're going to come to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Praise the Lord. He is a good God. And sometimes what you got to do if your confession is all messed up is you do what we did this morning. You just come together and you start to worship the Lord. Start to magnify the Lord. In other words, Think of just a magnifying glass. If I took a magnifying glass and I uh, put it in front of this, you'd see, I don't know what pattern that is, whatever pattern those little, uh, whatever that is, make on the speaker, you could actually see it a lot bigger, the weave there. You'd see like uh, bigger uh, parts of it and different colors that are in it, even though it all looks like one color, it's actually multiple shades, you know, so you could see those shades because why? You're magnifying it. You're looking more into it. You're, and then you could start to talk about it and describe different parts of it, right? We got honeybees. And so these honeybees, right now, they got all this yellow on their legs when they come back from the field. They're bringing this yellow in, and then we had to inspect the hive, and we inspect the hive, and all of a sudden, we have, we're kind of new beekeepers, so anyhow, we look, and we have this brood, which means it's like a, the, the girl bees or baby bees, like they're growing, they're going to hatch pretty soon, and there's boy bees, and their little cells are capped, and they're sticking out more because they're bigger. And then there's like the honey cells. And so we got lots of honey. I was happy about the honey. And so you see the honey and how it's capped. And then you see empty cells that they've taken stuff out and they're going to put something else in there. And you start to see. And then you look. You look really close. You can see them. They come and they like spit in each other's mouth and they bring it out and they put it where it's supposed to be. And so, but if you don't stop and kind of magnify all of that and look at that, you miss all of these details all these things that they're doing. So you just, at home, you just start to magnify the Lord. How do you do that? Well, what you do is you just say, you start out with, God is a good God. They say, Lord, you are good. It doesn't feel like it right now, okay? That's what I'm saying. You got like a heavy atmosphere. Lord, you're good. Lord, I know you have a good plan. Lord, I know you love me. Lord, I know your will is to help me and to strengthen me. To give me a hope and a future. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good God, not an evil God. That you're a good God. That your thoughts towards me are not evil, but they're to give me a hope and a future and a help. And that you're giving me what I need.
And then you start, then I like to magnify the blood of Jesus. I talk about the blood. Why? Because the blood just, just annihilates all the work of the devil. That no matter what the devil is coming against you with, that the blood is his total and utter defeat. You got habits, you got um, personality that's not under the mighty hand of the Lord. You say, Lord, thank you that your blood frees me from anything that would dominate me. That your blood tells me how much you love me that your blood speaks of your mercy for all people in all times. That your blood frees me from myself and frees me from having to fulfill all these other expectations. My expectation is on you. You are my Lord. I'm looking to you. You know, you just begin to pour out your heart to the Lord. You, you begin to lift your voice in praise and say, you're a good God. I praise you. I thank you. I will lift my voice to you. I'm magnifying you. You notice like problems seem to shrink back. That's an atmosphere where the Lord can work. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit began to speak. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're uh, with us this morning in person, online, I want to give you an opportunity to turn your life to Jesus. It's not, you're not actually being converted. What's happening is you're receiving a brand new life. Someone comes to live and be Lord of your life and live on the inside of you. And when that happens, you, you actually, the core of your being is completely changed. Every old thing goes away. Everything in you is brand new. Fresh start. All of your sins are wiped out. All of your sins are forgiven. All of your sins are removed from you. You are set and you are just as holy and just as right as the Son of God, Jesus himself, is when you receive him. He gives you access. I want to give you an opportunity right now to make him the Lord of your life. It's not just uh, something we say. It's a reality. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead... And then you say with your mouth, I'm giving my life to Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my master. The Bible says that you will be saved. You will actually be changed in that instant. If you'd like to do that, slip up your hand wherever you're at. Or if you'd like to come back to the Lord, maybe you got distracted, whatever happened, many things happened. But you just know in your heart, I need to come back to the Lord. I need to return to him. He didn't leave me, but I left him, but, but I'm coming back. I'm not going to wait any more time. I'm not going to be dominated by all these other thoughts. I'm following what he put in my heart. If that's you, just slip up your hand. All right, I'm going to pray, and I'd like believers to pray with me. This is the greatest confession you could ever make. You believe in this confession and you say it, then uh, it'll, it'll change you forever. Say this. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. That he died on the cross to take away my sins so that I could have new life. I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior. 
Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.